that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So Christmas is about God giving us the best gift. And that best gift is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So it's good to expect gifts on Christmas Day. But the most important gift you and I can give to people on Christmas is Jesus or a recommitment to give Jesus to the world. Hallelujah. Because God sent his son so that the world will be saved. That is the essence of Christmas. So Christ was born on Christmas Day. Some people feel it's September. Some people feel it's Christmas, December. But whichever way it is, the main key thing is that Christ was born. And as he was born in this world, he was born as Savior and Lord to save us from our sins. Now, think about it. The God of the universe, the God who created everything. The Bible says that all things were created by him and for him. Let's look at a few verses. Let's look at Colossians or Colossians chapter 1. Let's look from verse 14 to 16. Colossians chapter 1, verse 14 to 16. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God? Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn or first ranking of every creature. For then, so verse 16 is explaining verse 15. That word firstborn is first ranking, prototos or first two. So for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. There you go, the alpha. Before all things and by him, all things consist. And he is the head, let's go to verse 19. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So firstborn of every creature, firstborn from the dead, so that he would be first, he would be alpha, he would have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all things, all fullness, or let me read that again. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Hallelujah. So it is very, very powerful for us to understand that Jesus Christ, who is God, who created all things, came to this world as a baby for you and I. Let's look at another verse in John chapter 1, the famous John chapter 1. We will start from verse 1. We all know this verse. If we don't, we should memorize it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. 
So Jesus Christ <clears throat> was with God and God. And he was with God in the beginning as God, besides God. All things were made by him. And without him, Jesus Christ was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a, a, a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Then he goes on. He was the light. Uh, yeah. Then verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power. To them gave he the power or the right or the privilege to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, verse 14. And the word was made flesh. So we know that there's a, a, there was a word in the beginning, and that word was with God besides God, and that word was God, and everything was created by that word. That one we know. And verse 14 explains that that word is Jesus Christ. And the word was made flesh. It was made human and dwelt or tabernacled among us. And we beheld his, the word his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So the Bible is saying that the word of God, the, the creator of the universe became flesh, became human and dwelt among us. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7. We're just reading a few verses and then we'll just give a few points and we'll wrap up. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So because of what Jesus did, we are redeemed from the law and we are adopted as children of God. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art not more a servant, are no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Hallelujah. But verse four says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. And this, this verse that when the fullness of time was come, God sent his son, made of a woman, made under the law, means that he was, he, 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 he was born when the law was around and he came to fulfill the law for you and I. Now, what Jesus did or what happened in on Christmas Day is called the incarnation. Now, what does the word incarnation mean? Incarnate, Christ incarnate. So when God came and entered into time, entered into the womb of a woman, entered into the womb of a woman and became a human being, that activity or that process or that thing that was done is called the incarnation, where Christ incarnate came and was incarnated or became a man 
So Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. So it is very, very important for us to know that the word, God became flesh in the incarnation. Hallelujah. And that's why you and I must celebrate him. We must celebrate him. Because what he did was a very, very powerful thing. What he did was a very, very, very awesome thing. Look at another verse. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Let's look at, I believe we, many of us know this verse. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it's not robbery to be equal with God. Now, this is a bit blind to many folk because it's King James language. Uh, 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 thought it's not robbery. I mean, to be equal with God. What does it mean? It means that some versions become, uh, uh, please put a couple of versions on, on the screen so, uh, so that I explain what it means. It will make it easier for me to explain. But who, even though he was God, he did not think that his equality with God was something he needed to grasp onto or hold onto when he was on earth. This word, uh, uh, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with the God, means that he, even though Jesus Christ was equal with God, he did not demand or cling to his divine rights. He did not cling to his divinity. He did not, uh, 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 he, he, he did not hold on to his Godhood, but he, he decided to just do everything as a man. He decided to walk as a man. He decided to be tempted as a man. He decided to overcome as a man. He decided to die as a man. He did not think his equality with God was something he needed to cling on to. Philippians 2, 6, what version is that? You can let the version show. But though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. Okay, go to the next one. There's no time to waste. Philippians 2, 6. I believe this amplified. If you can, as I'm reading it, think about how to show it so that I know which version it is, so that people can reference. Philippians 2, 6, who although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think his equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. Let's get one more. And th th this is the one who came and became a woman. Let's get one more version. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But when you read it from King James, it says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So, you know, if you don't understand it or you don't do your Bible study, you, you misquote or misrepresent what this verse is saying. Verse seven, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. And we know the rest. Hallelujah. So this is very important because I want us to see the extent of what God did through Jesus when Jesus was incarnate, when Jesus came into this world on Christmas Day, that it wasn't just an angel or someone or angel Michael or a, a good person who, 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 who came and did all this, but this is God 
God of gods, Lord of lords, God, the second person of the Godhead, never created, always existed as God and with God. This person who created time entered into time because God is outside time. Jesus, the word was outside time and then entered into time during the incarnation. It is marvelous. It is marvelous. It is what marvelous. So let us give him our love. Let us give him our love. And on Christmas day, I want to encourage us to give him a gift. Give Jesus a gift. What did God give you and I? He gave us Jesus. You and I should give God a gift. Give Jesus a gift by giving him ourselves. So this Christmas, yes, give gifts to friends, all that stuff. But the most important gift you should give to God is yourself. Because he gave his son as a gift for you and I. So if he gave his son to us as a gift, you and I should give ourselves, our lives to him as a gift. Don't give your life to any human being. But give your life to Jesus. And then after that, you can secondary. So a secondarily give your life to anything uh, once it is in line with the word of God. Am I saying something to someone? So let's talk about just a few quick lessons about Christmas. A few quick lessons. What was the first thing we talked about? We talked about the fact that the incarnation is when God became a man. This is different from the Christophany. What is a Christophany? What is a Theophany? A Theophany is when God walked the earth in the Old Testament. He wrestled with Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God. What is a Christophany? The pre-incarnate appearance of Christ or Christ appearing before the incarnation or before uh, uh, Bethlehem when he was born uh, to Mary. That's the Christophany. Now, the incarnation is different because he came and appeared uh, in human form a few times and then left. But this time, he came to dwell and tabernacle among us. So we talk about the fact that God who created the universe came to live with us and came to die for our sins. Hallelujah. Now, the second important thing we must learn is going to be found in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 12, and Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Christians of today don't like reading the Bible. They just like to hear what the pastor has to say. And therefore, don't get substance or meat. Because what the pastor has to say is not significant if there's not a lot of scripture. Because my interpretation, we must, we must, we must do less interpretation and more reading. So it should be happy that we are reading the Bible more than interpreting uh, verses, even though we will interpret shortly. Am I preaching to somebody? Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. Now, when Jesus was born, or he became, or he was incarnate in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen the star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. 
And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it, it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Hold on. Now he quoted from Micah 5.2. Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Let me just read that. Micah 5.2. It says, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. For though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, out of thee, but thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been of old from everlasting. Hallelujah. So let's continue. Are we getting me so far? Verse 6. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not, the, art not least among the princes of Judah, meaning that, uh, uh, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately or privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared so that he can know when he was born. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for a young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and made. Hallelujah. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. Thanks be to God. Now, this is a very important message with many, many lessons. The first lesson, let's look also at Luke chapter 2, verse 11. But the first important lesson, Luke or Lucas chapter 2, verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. The first important lesson about Christmas is that Jesus Christ, the savior, who is the Christ, who is the Lord, was born. And he was born for you and for me. Hallelujah. So verse six in, Ma uh, Ma uh, sorry, uh, in Matthew chapter two, verse six, the Bible says that he shall rule my people Israel. So I want to encourage you and I to know that Jesus Christ expects to be my ruler and your ruler. He expects to be our savior, our Lord, our Christ. 
So the first critical important point about Christmas Day is that you and I must take Jesus Christ as Savior, as Lord, and as Christ. So it means that it's not, Christmas is not just a matter of meeting with family and celebrating. Christmas is not about family per se, but it is about Jesus Christ. Many people are celebrating Christmas with family members, some drinking, some boozing, some singing, doing all sorts of things on Christmas Day and giving gifts to people and have forgotten the purpose of Christmas. Actually, that's why people say happy holidays. I don't say happy holidays. I say Merry Christmas. Then after Christmas, then I say happy holidays because New Year's or holiday season. But Christmas, the 25th of December is not a happy holiday. It is a happy Merry Christmas. Savior, it means that you and I must take Jesus as our Savior. We must accept him. If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, you and I must accept him as our Savior, the one who saved us from our sins, who redeemed us from the curse of the law, who saved us from hell. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. So when you see Jesus, when you celebrate Christmas, celebrate Jesus Christ, who is the savior of the world, who saved you and I from our sins. And therefore, we must remember that if he saved us from our sins, we must not willingly sin. We must not take it that he saved us from our sins, so let us sin. Does that mean that because grace abounds, sin should abound the more? No, God forbid. But as sin abounds, grace abounds the more. So we must not say that because Jesus Christ saved us from our sins, Jesus Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, we are going to do whatever we want. No, he is our savior. He is also our Christ. Now, that word Christ is Mashiach or Christos. Christ is Christos in Greek, Mashiach in Hebrew, which means the, the Messiah, the, 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 the Messiah, the king. So you and I must see Jesus as our king. See him as your king. And Lord, that word Lord means owner. That word Lord means the one who has divine rights to you and I. There are many people who call Jesus Lord. That's why Jesus said, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I see? Jesus didn't say, why call me ye Lord, Lord, and do not the things your pastor says? You'll find that in the Bible. Actually, the devil is the one who will say that to you. But what God will tell you is that, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that my uh, 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 wife says? It's the devil who will tell you that. Do what my wife says or do what my husband says. No. You and I must listen to what our pastor says. Yes. You and I must listen to what our spouse says. Yes. You and I must listen to what our parents say. Yes. But... That does not make Jesus Lord in your life because you are listening to what a human being says. I would have to listen to what my pastor says. You would have to listen to what your pastor says. I'm sure some people will mock at this. You would have to listen to what your father and your mother says. You and I would have to also listen to what our family people say. But that does not make Jesus Lord in your life because you listen to what someone says. You and I, Jesus said, why are you calling me Lord, Lord, and you are not doing the things that I see? Now, you and I do the things he says through the Bible. 
not through somebody else, through what the Bible says. Read the Bible and don't misquote it, not, don't misrepresent it, don't let the Bible say what the Bible is not saying. So someone can tell me, do this, but the Bible is not saying what you are saying. Someone can say, have slaves. And then you quote a scripture, Philomen, and some of the verses that say, as slaves, obey your masters, and say that, well, this is what the Bible is saying, misrepresenting what the Bible is saying, or what that meaning of slave means. Hallelujah. So Jesus Christ must be the Lord of my life in your life, if we are Christians. Why are you calling me Lord, Lord, and you are not doing the things that I'm saying? Jesus said, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because as for speaking, speaking is cheap. You can say Lord, Lord, all you want. It's similar to saying twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder how, uh, how you are. Let me not even miss, uh, uh, quote the twinkle, twinkle, little star. <laughs> Hallelujah. Calling someone Lord, calling Jesus Lord, is different from he being your Lord indeed. Many, Jesus said, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of uh, heaven, but he that doeth the will of him that sent me, or doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So it's not a matter of saying Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord must be proved by doing the will of God, from God. For many shall say unto me that day, we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils in your name. We did many wonderful works in your name. Then he will say, depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. For I knew you not. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. So ladies and gentlemen, number one, Jesus must rule you and I. No human being should rule us. But Jesus should rule us. He should be our ruler. Hallelujah. The government shall be upon his shoulders. He is my ruler and your ruler. He is my savior and your savior. He is your Lord and my Lord. But don't just say, Lord, I say the sinner's prayer. I believe that Jesus died on the I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord of my life. Lord, Jesus Christ, please be the Lord of my life and come into my heart. Yes, you said the prayer. Now, is he your Lord? When Jesus says jump, do you say how high or you say talk to somebody else? When Jesus says, why are you calling me Lord, Lord, and not doing the things that I see? Are you looking at other people? Or you are looking at yourself? Look, when we get to heaven, the surprises in heaven. The surprises in heaven. <laughs> people will be shocked in heaven. Yes, they'll go to heaven, but zero reward with all the work they've done. Because they are not walking in love. They are, they are not following Jesus' commandments. Look at John chapter 30, verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So Jesus is saying that he's giving us a new commandment or the fulfillment of all the commandments, apart from the first and greatest commandment, which is 
a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. By loving one another, all men will know that you are my disciples because you have love for each other. But you see someone and you ignore the person. You see someone and then you, 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 you maltreat the person. Or you see someone and you don't show love to the person. How can you say you love God when you can love the one who, who, who is in front of you? How can you say you love God when the one in front of you, you don't love or you are not treating well because of wrong thinking? How many are going to allow Jesus to be Savior? Lord and King. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Another thing before we continue, will be found in verse 9. Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. The Bible says that they were led, the star led them to Jesus. The star led them to Jesus. And when they had heard the king, they departed and lo. The star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the ch young child was. Hallelujah. So the star led them. Very important, you and I must let God lead us. The star that God brought to the east or the star that God brought, you realize that it was that star that led them to Christ. You and I, we must allow God to lead us. When he leads us, he leads us to a good place. God said, I have plans of good and not of evil. I have plans of hope and a, and a future to bring you to an expected end. What am I saying? I am saying that you and I should allow God to direct us. Allow God to direct you. And you rejoice and be blessed because God directed you. And anytime God directs you through his word, how does God direct you? He directs you and I through his word. And directing us through his word means he's directing us to Jesus. Now, what does it mean by God directing us through his word? When you read your Bible, God will remind you of his word or direct you through what you have read. Most of the time, whilst you're having your quiet time, after your quiet time or your Bible study, God will direct you. You've had your quiet time or Bible study in the morning. Maybe the next day or before the day ends, God will speak to you about what you read. That's why you must meditate on, upon the word day and night. How does God also direct you and I through his word? It means that if we, I have a thought, okay, let's start with the simple ones. If I have a dream and the dream tells me to do something, it's not in line with what the Bible I've read says, I shouldn't do it. That's being directed by God. They that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Some people have rewritten it. They that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Let me say that again. They that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Other people have rewritten it and saying that they that are led by their pastor are the sons of God. Or they that are led by their parents are the sons of God. They that are led by their wife are the sons of God. They that are led by their husband are the sons of God. I might preach it to someone. No, that's not what the Bible says. But the Bible is saying, so if I have a dream, and that dream is telling me to do something that 
is not in line with the word of God, I shouldn't do it. Also, if I have a thought, a strong thought or a strong desire to do something, and I can't, and, and, and it's not in line with the word of God, I shouldn't do it. If I have a thought, if I have a thought and I'm making a major decision, the kind of hours of prayer I'll put in, the kind of Bible study I'll put in, which will not be misquoted, or meaning that I'll do a sound Bible study on it, the kind of understanding I'll have, I'll make sure that the word of God is what will, see, will, will, will determine whether I do it or I don't do it. <clears throat> so you and I must be, so we shouldn't be directed by feelings. That's why when you are offended, you do something because you are offended. Most likely you'll make a mistake. I'm angry. I'm offended. Because I'm angry or I'm offended, I'm offended. I'm doing this. That's why people shouldn't leave churches because they're offended. That's why people should be sound in what they are. When you want to leave a church, don't leave a church because you are angry, you are offended. No. Think, be sober-minded. The Bible says you must be vigilant, you must be sober. Be sober-minded. Think about what you are doing. Pray about it. Make sure it's God leading you before you do it. And God will usually not say just leave a church unless God wants you to do it. It's not, it's not the norm that God will just say leave unless you are convicted and it's in line with scripture and you know that you need to do it. Hallelujah. Am I preaching to somebody? So you and I, we must make sure. And if your parent or your spouse tells you something and you feel like doing it, but it is not in line with the word of God, don't do it. But when the word of God says love, full stop, I'm loving. Whether or not the person left the church, I'm loving. If God says, uh, 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 go and do outreach, or become a shepherd, or, 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 or give this money to this person who is in need, and you do it, you are being led by God. So being led by God even has to do with telling someone a word from God or witnessing to someone, telling them that Jesus loves them or giving money to someone who is in need or being directed to give an offering or whatever it is in the church. All those things are part of God directing us or don't move here <clears throat> or move here. No, don't do this. Do this. Now you ask yourself, there are, certain, there are certain ways that God leads us that you can't find a, a, a scripture on it per se. Which job to choose? For example, is, is it in the Bible that says, go and, and choose this job versus that job? No. You ask yourself, is this job going to help me, cause me to sin? By working in a bar or in a nightclub, is this going to cause me to sin? No. Then it's fine. Then you pray, God, what is your will concerning job A, job B, job C, job B and C, because you have three job offers and you are choosing one. Then you pray. And when you pray and God is directing you, God will give you a peace in your heart. The arbitrator, the umpire, there will be a peace. And if that peace is not there, then you have to be careful about it. Hallelujah. But when that peace is there, that is the sign because that is the arbitrator. The peace of God will rule 
or, or guard your heart. That word, that, that verse, the peace of God will rule your hearts. That word actually means that the peace of God will arbitrate. The peace of God will govern, will direct you through your heart. Hallelujah. Let me see if I can find that verse. I don't know, I'm preaching to somebody. But I'm preaching me happy here on Christmas Day. Okay, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Now, another uh, King James says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now, if you just see rule in your hearts, you won't get what it's saying. Now, let's look at rule in the hearts is brabio in Greek. It means arbitrate, act as an arbitrator, act as an umpire, act as something to assure the believer to direct when there is a conflict, making a call in a conflict between two contending forces, also in your mind. Let the peace of God arbitrate. So, I'm choosing this job. Should I choose it? Let the peace of God decide. Because there's no scripture that says do this or don't do this. Let the peace of God decide. Because you are someone who is in the word. You are someone who has prayed about it. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So once you acknowledge the Christ, once you acknowledge the Lord, Lord, direct me, show me what to do. Direct me, direct my path. He will direct you. Am I preaching to somebody? And when you realize that God also warned Joseph in a dream, verse 13 to 15. So sometimes God directs us through dreams, but any direction you get from God, whoever it is, make sure that you have the peace of God. Make sure there is the peace of God that rules in your heart. Am I preaching to somebody? And then you see that you have a sound understanding of the scriptures and God is ruling and directing you as Lord, as Christ, as Savior, and he's directing you. Then when you pray, oh, Lord Jesus, he's shaking his head and saying yes, the angels are shaking themselves and saying yes. But if you don't read your Bible, there are many people who don't read their Bible, they don't pray. But so far as the pastor has said something and you do it, then who uh, please God? But ladies and gentlemen, it's good for you to listen to what your pastor is saying. Because as your pastor, when, when, when I speak to you, it's good to hear it. But make sure you're having a quiet time. So when I say something, you listen to it. Otherwise, I can tell you to do something sinful. And you do it. Because I said it. The fact that the pastor said it doesn't mean that it's right. What do you think? Nevertheless, God still directs us through our pastor. That's one of the ways God directs us, through the shepherd. Hallelujah. God directs us through our pastors. Amen? Very, very important. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, as he was approaching Jerusalem, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wanted to gather you as a hen gathered its chicks or chickens, but you will not allow me. 
And because you not allow me, your house is left unto you desolate, void, desolate, meaning like, like waste. But from henceforth, you will not see my hand in your life until you learn how to say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Anyone who says, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, or receives a, a man or woman of God well, or receives a pastor well, or receives an evangelist well, they do well. I've, I've heard of towns that did not receive certain evangelists well, and because of that, they were just desolate. No one came there. Nothing happened there until another evangelist came, and God did wonderful things in that place. What do you think? Number two. So this is all number, number one. Oh, sorry. This is number three. The first is what? Knowing the, about the incarnation. Number two, knowing that Jesus is Christ, Savior, and Lord. Number three, Luke chapter 2, verse 40 and verse 52. And then one more, and then we conclude. Lucas chapter 2, verse 40 and 52. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. And then verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You and I must grow in strength, in spirit, in wisdom and favor. We must grow. What do I mean? Grow in strength. I'll just touch on this, but another time we'll go into it. Grow in strength means you have to be healthy. You have to be healthy. You have to be strong. You, 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 you have to be healthy. You have to eat well. You have to exercise. The older you get, the more you have to exercise. You have to eat well. So you have to be strong, grow in stature. You grow well, you grow healthy. There are people who are in their 90s, 92, 93. My uncle is in his 90s, he's still very sound-minded. He still thinks medically, he still climbs stairs at age 92 or 93. May, may that be my story and your story. Where at age 93, we are climbing stairs, we, are, we don't need help. We are thinking well, we are thinking. If you are a doctor, you are thinking as a doctor. You are thinking. You are, you are thinking medically. You are giving medical advice. You can see charts. At age 93. Because you, 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 you are eating well. You are walking a lot. You are taking care of yourself. He grew in stature. And then, of course, strength also means you are strong because you also grew in spirit. So you and I must grow in spirit. From today, make it a point to grow in spirit. Let your spirit grow. My spirit and your spirit grows how? First Peter 2.2. 2. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. As newborn babes, meaning that as Christians, we grow by the word of God. That's it. 
we grow by the word of God. So you and I must grow. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, 15 and 16. We grow by the word. You and I must be strong in spirit. Jesus waxed strong in spirit. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Meaning that my inner man, my cryptos man, the hidden man, man of the heart, which is my spirit, my spirit and your spirit can be strengthened with might by the Holy Spirit. Look at Jude 1.20 or Jude 20. And ye, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So you and I, our spirits don't grow by prayer. Our spirits can be charged up by prayer. Our spirits can be edified by prayer. Our spirits can be like it, it catalyzed, in quotes, if you can use that word. Our spirits can be charged up, edified, built up by prayer especially in the Holy Ghost or in other times. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. But you and I grow in spirit by the word of God. No one grows in spirit by prayer. You, you can't grow. Your spirit cannot grow because you pray. You can pray 100 hours even if you are able to travel faster than the speed of light or approach the speed of light and time dilation occurs where time slows down and you have more time to pray and you come back. It's still not going to help you. If you are able to pray 100 hours a day, if that's possible, through time dilation, if you can even think about that, it will still not make your spirit grow. If you pray 20 hours a day, every day, 20 hours a day, your spirit will not grow you'll be charged up. The only way my spirit, your spirit grows is through the Bible, the reading, hearing of the Bible. I don't know what I'm preaching to somebody. Wisdom. You and I must grow in wisdom. And we grow in wisdom through the word of God. Because the Bible makes it clear that wisdom is from the Bible. Wisdom is from the word of God. And also Jesus Christ is our wisdom. So grow in wisdom means grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Grow in your understanding of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is all the wisdom you and I get. The Bible says Jesus Christ, both the wisdom of God and the power of God. So Jesus Christ satisfies the Greek who is looking for wisdom. The Jew is looking for power. Jesus Christ satisfies those looking for wisdom and power. So Jesus Christ, both to the Greeks and the Jews, Christ Jesus is both the wisdom of God and the power of God. Also Colossians or Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 and 3 says, In Jesus Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are all in Jesus. So you and I grow in wisdom through the word of God. Now the word of God is Jesus. So when you grow in wisdom in the word, when you and I grow in the word of God, we are growing in Jesus. The more of Jesus Christ we have, it means the more of the word we have. It's impossible to say, oh, I am I'm full of Jesus, and you don't know the word. Probability is zero. Because Jesus is the word of God. In the beginning, before Jesus came to the earth, he was called the word of God. In Revelation, the Bible says that you see a vesta full of blood, dipped in blood, on his thigh, his forehead, different verses, but one of his names you see is 
King of Kings, Lord of Lords, faithful and true, and the word of God. So the more of the word of God you and I have, the more wisdom we have, because Jesus Christ is my wisdom and your wisdom. Am I preaching to somebody? And then favor. Jesus grew in stature, in wisdom, and in favor with God and with men. So two types of favor you and I must have. Have favor with God. Oh, glory. That's what matters. What matters for you and I is not favor with man, because that man can die. Nevertheless, we still need favor with man, because God uses men to help us. But many people have, oh, trust me, many people have reversed it and are looking for favor with men before God. That will take you nowhere. But when you have, you are looking for favor with God, after that man, then there's a good thing. Why? Even the Bible says it. Luke, Lucas 2.25 says, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with men and with God. No. The verse is, and in favor with God and with man. The thing after the end, usually is less significant than the thing before the end. So you and I must aim primarily to be have favor with God. Why do I say that? Because people lie. Some people lie on other people so that they'll have favor with men. It happens at work. It happens in the church. So you lie against your fellow so that people will say, yes, you are good, you are good. But you've lost favor with God. The Bible will make it clear. Even if you're at work and you lie against your colleague so that your boss will say you've done well, you've lost favor with God there, but you've gained favor with your boss. So you've reversed it with favor with men and then God because there's no favor with God there. Rather, God wants you and I to have favor with God first and then with men. What do you think? And usually don't fight your battles. Leave it for God to fight it for you. Hallelujah. If at work, that has happened to you, you have work and they've stepped over you and someone made a mistake at work and they blame you on, I mean, someone has made a mistake at work, but somehow you have been blamed and it's been shifted to you and you now have responsibility for the mistake. You fight all you can fight, but at the point, at the point you just have to just trust God because God will vindicate. What do you think? And it happens all the time in the workplace. So how many are going to understand that we need favor with God? And now favor with men is also important. You need to have favor with men, but not be a men pleaser or eye service. You can have favor with men because you are pleasing God and you want to, of course, please your boss. You want to please your pastor. So it's good to want favor with men, but not at the expense of favor with God. Very important. I want to have favor with men. But if me having favor with men is going to cause me to reduce in my favor with God, then I cannot have that. But eventually, when you have favor with God, it will spill over and you eventually have favor with men, eventually. Finally, God loved us, so we should love him also. For God so loved the world that he gave. You and I must love him, and because of that, we give of ourselves 
to him. Let's love God. Let's give ourselves to God. But a disclaimer, you can give yourself, oh, there are so many people who give themselves to God in quotes. I say in quotes because they don't love their brethren. So therefore, it negates it before God. Because first John says, how can you say you love God when you don't love the one you can see? How can you say you love God you cannot see when you don't love the person you can see? God is love. So you and I must love God indeed. How? Because we love the one God created in his image. If we love somebody God created in his image, and we love God, it makes sense. It's true. But we can give ourselves to God and not love our neighbor and therefore negate our giving ourselves to God. Because the first commandment is not to serve God. My first commandment is not to be a pastor. My first commandment is not to have crusades. My first commandment is to love God. My second commandment is not to have crusades. My second commandment is not to be a pastor. My second commandment is to love my neighbor. Third, we can talk about loving, uh, uh, doing crusades and serving God or being a shepherd or being an usher or whatever. I hope that is very clear. So this Christmas day, I pray that you and I will make Jesus Christ our savior. For unto this day is born in the city of David a savior, which is Christ the Lord. May Christ be my Lord and your Lord. Indeed, yes, you are born again, but indeed he is your Lord. May Christ Jesus direct us. May we be led by Christ Jesus, just like God put the star there to lead them to Jesus. May you and I allow God to direct us so that we are directed to Jesus Christ. May you and I work strong, grow physically, be healthy, eat well, eat vegetables, eat well, and fruits. Of course, some will say, I'll be a rabbit. I was eating vegetables at work, and one of the, my colleagues said, oh, you're eating rabbit's food. <laughs> that was funny, but yeah, eat rabbit's food. Eat all the things you want to eat, but just eat well. Reduce or cut as much as possible the high fructose corn syrup and all the different things. I mean, that one is another time. Grow in spirit, wisdom, favor, be healthy. Number three, love God because he first loved us. Shall we pray? Father God, we bless your name and worship you. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. To, 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 to celebrate Christmas, to celebrate the incarnation of our God, our Christ, our King, our Lord, our Savior. We appreciate this Christmas day. We appreciate what it took for God who was outside time to became, to enter into time and to be born of a woman, to be made under the law. We know the extent, we know the amazing grace and we appreciate it, oh God. Thank you for the opportunity to celebrate this Christmas day, 2021. We appreciate you. 
we pray that you give us the grace, all of us the grace, to walk in the light of your word, to be directed by you. I pray that you give us all the grace to make you Lord and Savior in Christ in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Whilst we are praying, if you are watching and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, but you want Jesus Christ to save you, you want Jesus Christ to be your Lord, you want him to be your Savior, to be your Lord, to be your Christ, then I want you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he came down from heaven. He walked on earth as a man and as God, fully God, fully man. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that his blood was shed for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. He was raised from the dead physically, from the dead. I believe that he was raised from the dead. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Please come into my life. Please forgive me for all my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From today, I belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you all. God bless you all. Merry Christmas and a happy, prosperous new year. But I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I pray that you spend time with family. I pray that you, 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 you enjoy today. But remember that Christmas is not about us, not about our families, but about Jesus. God bless you and shalom, shalom.